Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor. I'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech, clean tech, and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys, our listeners. Hi. So today on the podcast, uh, we are continuing to look at um, how uh, companies can help to do good in terms of the environment. And then specifically, we've been drilling into bees. So I have a host in Ireland, DC for Bees Ambassador, Nicole Cox. Uh, so first of all, it's great to have you on. And maybe for those who don't know, just can you introduce yourself? Hi, Simon, absolutely. So thanks again for inviting me to join. I'm Nicole, as you said. I've been a part of the Siemens Diversity and Inclusion Group for the past six years and recently moved to Dublin. So I'm lucky enough to be a part of the newly formed sustainability group within Siemens Ireland. So. Uh-huh. going through these uh, zero harm initiative and that's going to be something I'm happy to talk about with cool. you later but got involved through DC through bees through there so so I mean as you've been involved in the sustainability side as you said for six years what kind of things did you do before you came to Dublin so on a personal level and on a corporate level there's been a variety of volunteer initiatives that have really captured my interest and been a great outlet for just learning more because i find that at least for me personally the best way to get free education and hands-on learning is through volunteering so i've worked with um, beekeepers local in texas where i'm originally from and then as well in boston where i lived for the last year and then as well with more cultural diversity, understanding and education training through Siemens, I've been able to really get a better idea upon moving here, some of the differences, not only in the sustainability and biodiversity approach, but just in the community aspects, different things and different priorities that really stood out to me. Yeah, look, I mean, and, and obviously, uh, we actually have done uh, education environmental projects with community groups as well. So I guess for those that don't have a sense of it, how, how, how do you um, work with communities or how did you work with communities to ensure that you, you got successful uh, results from doing it? Absolutely. So the first group that I worked with in Houston was a honey collective, uh-huh. which was encouraging locals to have hives on their land that were either maintained by the owner it was a female-owned business and had started in, I believe, 2014. So by the time I was volunteering with her in 2018, she had 70 hives around the city that she was maintaining. Wow. And yes, absolutely incredible. And a lot of these were also going to be used for educational purposes. So you might see a hive being brought into a classroom. That was the case, certainly, with some of the hives I was volunteering in in Boston. And then as well, just to get an idea of on an individualistic basic basis, that is, how you can help. And I think you joined for Wally's in my presentation on making small changes in our day-to-day life to be able to have a larger impact. And that's certainly been a theme throughout. Yeah, um, look, I mean, and I think that's kind of cool that you have a perspective from doing it in Houston and then Boston as well. Um, so since you've come to Ireland, um, wh- what have you been involved in on your Irish leg of this this kind of interest and activity that you do? Well, of course, moving to a new country is going to have its adjustments, but doing so during a pandemic and having the two-week quarantine mm-hmm. on top of that was 
an added uh, challenge, I'll say, when it came to really diving into the community and getting a better understanding of the pro uh, not just the priorities, but the heart of beekeeping here, because so much of it is focused on the native pollinators in a way that we don't have the same emphasis throughout it in the States. And I think that there are a lot of ways to get involved that I've found through, you know, you can do litter picking, you can do tidy towns, and I'm really fascinated by the approach and the emphasis on supporting native pollinators that you see in those groups. But then as well, there are a lot of resources online that mm -hmm. anyone that's new to beekeeping or indeed just pollinators in general who wants to get involved, you do have through the host in Ireland and DC for bees, the part, but the all Ireland pollinator plan, which provides an, I mean, it's an incredible resource. It pro provides a lot of variety in terms of, are you working in corporate areas? Are you, you know, at home with just flower boxes available? How can we make adjustments there? And then in terms of online learning as well, I've been doing um, just in my free time, some, uh, it's a six week course for, um, beekeeping introduction because okay. I found that so many of the things that are going to be important here wouldn't necessarily have translated over in my experiences in the States. Things like getting involved with the local associations, understanding, you know, the insurance that might be provided to locals who wanted to get into beekeeping, things like that you really can only learn by, you know, associating yourself with the local groups and then as well getting a mentor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. Um, and in in your presentation, you had some slides of different bees, and so um, I guess the, the the dumb question would be: uh, I imagine the bees. Are, did you have to learn new bees? Are the bees different here to the ones in in the US? And did you have any favorites from what from the ones that you saw or learned about either either in the US and in Ireland too? I do. Yes. Um, the first question um, to answer that. There is a difference, certainly. And some of the bees that you might see imported here are going to be similar to those that are imported and favored in the States. However, one of the bees that I was most fascinated by when I was working in Boston was uh, a gentleman who, as I mentioned, did educational hives that were used for schools. And he was using VSH or Varroa Sensitive Hygiene uh, Queens. And the idea here is that to be able to protect the hive from one of their major um, threats, which is the, the royal mite, they were able to have a queen be able to identify within the larva and within the home itself, be, or within the hive itself, that is, be able to take action to control any infestation before it happens. So it's fascinating to see some of the enhancements to beekeeping but as well, when I moved here, just some of the incredible species that I've learned about, particularly solitary bees. Mm. I think most people who have an interest in bees will be able to recognize a bumblebee, and particularly the, uh, I think it's the red bottom bumblebee I adore here. It's beautiful. And then, um, of course, you have the native, um, I think it's Apis mellifera mellifera, which is the Irish native honeybee here. But I've also been fascinated to learn about solitary bees. Uh, I became somewhat obsessed with the um, kukubi, which is um, either a solitary bee or a bumblebee, but it's a kleptoparasite. So essentially okay. this bee will infiltrate the hive of another either solitary bee or bumblebee and lay its own 
uh, young lay its own eggs and be able to have them take action and take over the hive, which morbid as it sounds, I think it's just one of the fascinating things about nature. So if, if it's a solitary bee, but it behaves like a cuckoo, does, does it then become more, does it create a swarm of solitary bees if that's not a paradox? Like what does it do once it takes over the hive? So once it takes over the hive, and again, this is coming from an introductory perspective, I'm still learning quite a bit as I go. I think um, that's the best part of all of this is how much more there is to learn when you take a native approach, because we can also see how much has been introduced from foreign um, sources and how much can be done to, if not reverse that, address it. But in terms of this particular species of bee, they would, as I understand it, come out of hibernation earlier than the hives that they are infiltrating. Mm -hmm. And they would begin to have their young hatch so that the larvae are going to be growing right next to the others. They will be mistaken for the local or native uh, species of that hive and then cared for as if they were one of their own. And the reason for this is just because of the different life cycles. When it comes to the solitary bumblebees and honeybees, the life cycles are going to be very different as are the needs for food. And so that was one of the biggest things that I was learning about is that, you know, you see the bee boxes, which are fascinating, but only a small percentage of solitary bees would actually use them here. It would be I think, something like 10%. The rest would use, you know, you have mining bees that go in the hedgerows and, for someone who's only recently learned what a hedgerow is, mm -hmm. it, believe me when I say there's just a huge amount of information available online and through the DC for Bees resources. So look, if you if you mentioned that only 10% of solitary bees would even go to a bee box, um, where do the rest go and what, what can we do to help um, facilitate the you know like the, the wider biodiversity that, that enables bees to live in a variety of places? disrupted as little as possible. And that was one of the recurring points that were really drilled into me when Molly and I were doing our research for this presentation, was getting an understanding of the ways that our day-to-day -day life, although well-intentioned at times, can actually have a negative impact on native pollinators. Things like, um, I think about in particular, when I first moved here, it was just in the flying ant swarm season. And for someone who had never seen a swarm okay. of flying ants, let alone one in the kitchen, the first instinct that I had was to reach for the insecticide. But of course, mm -hmm. bees are insects. And something that we don't think of as harmful to them, because we would love it if it was just impacting, say, an ant, is going to have a serious or be a, a serious threat to the bees. So finding alternatives in that way, I think I remember seeing mint was one of the recommendations for deterring flying ants from your home okay. while not doing any significant harm. But in terms of the solitary bees, there's some great resources there, as I said, on the pollinator plan. And for that, I would just really recommend doing the due diligence before building something in your home that might be in the wrong place or it might not be able to do as much good here as it would in a, uh, you know, an allotment, say. And mm -hmm. so being able to recognize the plants that are beautiful and the plants that are useful might not always be the same, though there is quite a lot of overlap there, as we found. There's also an importance in recognizing that things like cutting the grass constantly are going to be disrupting a lot of the food sources. 
one of the main things that I was interested in as well when it came to being able to do the most good for them is also recognizing that for solitary bees in particular, there are so many different ways to get involved. If they are going to be using the hedgerows, lobbying your local politicians to be able to ensure that they are maintained and not um, necessarily kept pristine, but allowed to grow. And that, the same goes for dandelions. And this is something that we were discussing in great length in the presentation. The need for food sources without any work if anything don't do the work of cutting your lawn all year round take the time to let it grow out because there are going to be certain times of year when food is very scarce particularly in the winter and those are the times when it's most important that we don't take away from the vital food sources for those bees and and that's because even though we don't see bees through the winter they don't all hibernate do they so like some are still alive would that be right that would be active, active, yeah. Yes. So when you think about the beekeeping, our focus is, of course, on the honeybee. But when you look at the overall picture of honey, or pardon me, of pollinators in Ireland, you're mm -hmm. going to have a variety of different life cycles. Most of them would, um, for instance, bumblebees might not live for the full year in the winter, but you would see the queens surviving and would still need food. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. So that's why you need to think about it 12 months of the year. So th that's really interesting. Um, so th th I got involved and it's helped teach me a lot about bees. Um, your sustainability um, is part of your role at Siemens. What, does Siemens have other projects in Ireland that it's doing around sustainability as well? They do, yes. So you would have the Siemens Helpineers, you'd have the Zero Harm Week, now, the Zero Harm Week in the group that I'm involved with has been incredibly helpful to understand what the local initiatives are. They have, you know, Be Well, Think Green, We Care, which would be managing uh, group volunteer activities. So there are a variety of different resources, and it's in alignment to the European Health and Safety Week. So they're trying to ensure that these initiatives are being um, being highlighted in this time, but as well, making sure that people have the resources that they need, because there's so much, particularly with the way that we're all adjusting now to working from home full time, there's a lot still available in terms of health and wellness, but also certain things we might not recognize that we're doing that are doing more harm than good. For me, one of the biggest um, impacts has been cruelty-free products. Because although in the EU there are um, regulations against animal testing, these organizations that we're buying from still would have different underlying uh, global policies. And making sure to shop locally and prioritize uh, conscious consumerism of those products that we know are not doing more harm outside of the local community. With that, the first thing that comes to mind is just if you are buying honey, make sure that you're buying from a local beekeeper, because not only are they going to be able to facilitate the pollination of local crops, but then as well, you're going to be able to support your community. And right now that's needed more than ever. Yeah, look, and that's that's a very positive initiative um, as part of as an ambassador for DC for Bees. Um, 
What are you planning for 2021? Uh, what's next? Well, DCBs is actually going to be expanding in the next year. So okay. I don't want to give away too much right now, but there is a lot of change coming there. And it's going to be all very positive because we have seen such a huge uh, response in the community. And even for myself, only being a part of the group for the last now six months, it has just been remarkable to see how much local interest there is in beekeeping, in local pollinators, and then as well in supporting these native, native species, of which I think 33% are endangered. And it's just really important that we educate ourselves and then as well make sure that the products that we're using at home, you know, not using pesticides, the actions that we're taking in our day-to-day -day life, not trampling through meadows, but using designated paths, little mm -hmm. things we might not think of because although we might think to ourselves, oh, well, if I'm kicking the dandelion or picking it up and blowing it, it's going to be able to pollinate, we are never going to be more effective than the bees themselves. And so I often find it um, for myself a bit of a pet peeve when we see these beautiful lands that have been um, left for them to feed and people just walk straight through it without thinking. Yeah, and and I guess it's unfortunate, but equally, uh, as you say, there's a, an increase in awareness of uh, the, the fragility of bees and the things that people can do. So, it, like you say, it's kind of an educational piece, which is part of very much what you're doing. So, yeah, look, I mean, people do it, but hopefully they'll become aware that it's not a good thing to do. Um, you mentioned a lot of online resources. Are there any particular people that you find interesting or inspirational? I mean, we, we haven't, uh, we, we interviewed Sam Drogue from the US Park Service, who's a bee expert, and we love his pictures. Is there any people that you find useful or informative to help keep you up to date with, with these? Yes, I've been involved, as I said, with an online um, introduction to beekeeping through a um, I think three generation company that has been keeping bees in County Longford. So I've been doing classes through them, which I found incredibly helpful. Um, they've also been highlighting the different societies to reach out to. So I'm looking into some opportunities there to get more information, you know, different seminars that they might offer, different workshops. Mm -hmm. And then as well, I really found um, the Tala Echo has an incredible weekly piece on the uh, nature on our doorsteps. And they actually did a collection, a book. I think it was, uh, but yes, it was available at the local library in uh, South Dublin County Council. And so I was able to find a copy of it and have just learned so much about the native flora and fauna. And then as well, a particular focus on bees and some of the fascinating things that you wouldn't necessarily know when you're walking around. But I also have to say that because people are spending so much more time at home, maybe more time than any of us expected, mm -hmm. it's a great opportunity to start working on our local gardens. And for me, that's been one of my key focuses is um, you know, finding a home in the middle of a pandemic. It was quite a challenge. But yeah. now that I have, I'm starting to think about you know, what are the plants that I want to start growing? What are the areas I want to begin with? Because it's much better to start small when you're making these changes, you don't have to enroll immediately in a beekeeping course, but you can start looking up some of these local beekeeping groups and get an idea. They'll have YouTube videos available. They have you mm -hmm. know, the newspapers that are going to be covering the local um, 
natural initiatives and tidy towns, things like that. So there's a lot of information available with an Irish focus, which is so important to be able to understand how your actions will help because what works for bees in the States and in the continent will not necessarily translate over here. And it's such a unique and diverse um, natural wonderland that you have here, so to speak. You really want to preserve it. And I have to say that I've been just incredibly touched by the amount of local interest in bees. It's honestly nothing that I've seen before. That's very positive. Uh, and, and then, like you say, it's also important to be um, locally appropriate so that you do what's what's right for here rather than just bringing in something that's that's not suitable to hear so that that makes sense um very much so um look it's been a, a pleasure to talk to you how can people find out more about your work and what you do both as in terms of sustainability with siemens and then also with the dc for bees program yes so the Siemens Zero Harm Culture, um, we have details available online. So you can go to Siemens.com to get more information there. And then as well for Host in Ireland, you can go to hostinireland.com. You can go to pollinators.ie. And we just really recommend that you start small and start to look at small adjustments in your day-to-day -day life that can be made, things that you can um, really research ahead of time as always shopping local is going to be the best approach but just get to know what is available and when in doubt try to find things that haven't been on a plane i think that's the best way to start mm. <laughs> look you look that makes sense uh, very much so look thanks very much and uh, hopefully it helps to encourage and inspire more people to to be proactive in terms of doing things that are, are bee friendly and wildlife friendly in general Yes, here's hoping. And thanks again, Simon. Great speaking with you. We hope you enjoyed that podcast and we will be bringing you more across as diverse and interesting a range of stories as we can find. You're welcome to reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn or by email and give us any feedback and let us know what you'd like us to cover in the future. Thanks and keep listening.